Welcome to the Online Course Master Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I had the pleasure of chatting with Jessica Bars. Jessica started out as a professional jewelry designer, started her own Etsy shop, and now is teaching courses on how to make jewelry full-time. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening, and make sure to leave a rating. Help us get our first 100 ratings so I can know whether to keep making this show or not. Let's get straight on to the interview. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the show. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. And I know the listeners are going to be really excited to hear your story about creating your own online courses and especially creating courses about jewelry making and just something that I think a lot of people have skills or hobbies or passions that they have. Uh, that they would like to create a passive income from, and you're a great example of that. So can you start out by telling people a little bit about your background and before you started creating your online courses, uh, who who is Jessica Barst? Um, Well, okay, so how far back in background? I guess um, I'll start with what makes sense for for this. I was a jewelry designer for a large international company that did wholesale. So I was designing jewelry for them um, here in Dallas for about seven years. And during that time, I also started my own handmade jewelry business. Um, I was doing, in the beginning, I was doing mostly craft shows, selling jewelry in person. And then I discovered Etsy in about 2009. Um, In case anybody doesn't know what that is, it's a, a large, a huge online marketplace where basically anybody can set up a shop and sell um, as long as it's handmade or vintage. Um, so they're trying not to allow just, you know, get on there and sell anything. And, and it's, it's not supposed to be uh, reselling, but I know that does happen a little bit. But anyway, so it's it's a really easy way for somebody like me who, do, who when I was starting out, didn't really know how to set up a website and you know, online shop and all of that. It's a really simple way to just be able to sell your handmade items online. So I did Etsy. Actually, I'm still selling on Etsy. Um, That was my business for several years um, until I was laid off from my design job. So that was like a a side business, you know, just kind of a fun thing that I I did. I was laid off in 2011 and um, it was really hard to find another jewelry design job. Like there's just that, you know, I mean, I would always meet people that were like, that's, wow, that's a cool job, you know, and and it is, but until you lose it and you try to find another one. So I thought, you know what, I'll just go it alone. I've already got my business set up. I'll just kick it into high gear and start selling, um, like seriously selling jewelry online. And I did that for a while and it was really, really great. And um, I've actually been completely self-employed since 2011, thankfully. But a big part of that has been switching from selling jewelry to teaching people how to make jewelry. And the reason is I realized kind of early on that it's it's really hard to make a lot of money um, selling physical items when you're the only one making them. And it was hard to scale up. So I was working all the time, busting my butt. You know, it was great when I had orders coming in all the time every day, but then like Christmas and you don't get to spend time with your family because you're doing your last minute stuff. So, um, that's kind of when I decided to start doing, um, online classes. Nice. Nice. So uh, how did you even get into jewelry making? Was this some, did you go to school for like design or art? Did you just kind (laughs) of start doing it yourself? Ever since I was a kid, um, I actually, as long as I can remember, I was always making jewelry. Like, I mean, I remember taking like little friendship bracelets in my pocket to school to make during recess. Um, and my favorite thing to do every summer was as soon as school was out, like, let's go to the bead store, stock up on beads and teach myself new techniques. And, you know, I was learning from like magazines and books and it was a lot of fun, but it was really hard learning from books, but I kind of just figured it out. So as long as I can remember, I've always done that. Um, actually, my um, educational background, um, I don't know if you probably don't know this, I, um, my degree is radio, television, film from UT in Austin. So I actually nice. studied <laughs> film. Um, and then, you know, I just 
after school, I was working on movies and it was a lot of fun, but it's also really hard to get a paying job, you know, when you're first out of school. And, um, so kind of just, I don't, I don't even know how I landed. Um, my, my job as a jewelry designer, that was kind of lucky actually, because I had a friend who knew that, um, I like to draw. Um, at the time I was kind of selling, uh, I was doing like commissioned pet portraits Okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I've kind of always tried to like do my own business on the side. Um, and she knew that I could make jewelry. So she said, you know, this job actually would be perfect for you because you can draw and you can make jewelry and they're looking for somebody who can do both of those things. So um, magically I was hired and that became a career for me. Nice. That's that's really cool. So you kind of learned how to do your own online business and you had that experience before even getting into online courses, which not not everyone has that experience. But you did learn that that scaling a business where you're making an actual physical product was difficult. So what was where did you first hear about online courses and how did that start? Um. Well, gosh, so. I. I knew before I was laid off from my jewelry design job, I actually was interested in kind of pass the idea of passive income. And I discovered Pat Flynn. I know, you know, he's a big, you're a big fan of his. Um, so I started listening to his podcast and just ideas. And I started dabbling in creating websites um, with WordPress, just kind of playing around. And it, it took me a while to get the idea of doing something online passively, um, in terms of jewelry making, you know, I was kind of thinking of other things so that it didn't sort of cross over too much. Um, so I was just doing random stuff. Like I tried affiliate marketing. I tried a little bit of everything. And then actually, um, the way I found Udemy is because I, uh, Pat Flynn had this product. It was a bundle item. It was like a uh, breakthrough blogging, I think it was. It was a bundle. So it was um, his blogging class and several other instructors had their um, courses as part of the bundle. Um, one of them was um, Gideon Shalwick, like a rapid video blogging. One was, um, uh, oh gosh, maybe photography, Some just some random things. And one of them was Kathy Preslin's um, writing course. I can't remember the name of the course. I'm sorry. But um, so I bought that bundle. And to get into all the classes, you have to go to log in in different places. So Kathy's class was actually on Udemy. So that's how I discovered Udemy. And I was in the, you know, that was actually right at the time where I was starting to think, I think I could teach classes online because I had set up my, my blog and my YouTube channel teaching I feel like I kind of skipped a big step there, but um, after <laughs> I discovered, you know, um, after I decided I wanted to teach jewelry making, I set up a blog and I was doing lots of free tutorials and YouTube and stuff like that. And then I thought, you know what, this is, there seems to be a lot of interest. This is a lot of fun. I loved it. And um, I was, when I discovered Udemy, I was just in the process of saying, okay, I'm ready to teach an online class. I want to do a beginner's jewelry making class how am I going to do it? Like, how am I even going to deliver it? And I was starting to explore, like, how do I sell a digital product? How do I deal with all of that? And it was just making my head hurt. And I found Udemy as a student and I started taking tons of classes. And actually one of the ones I took very early on was yours. Um, several of <laughs> <Nice>. yours actually <laughs> like the, the online teaching course. And, um, thanks to you, I actually, um, learned so much and I gained the courage to give it a try and all of the pieces kind of fell into place. Um, and you know, I just went for it. Nice. So. That's awesome. And, oh, that's well, that's awesome that you found my course. I'm <laughs> yeah. actually redoing that course completely because that was, I think I created and launched that at the end of 2013 and it was only a year and a half or so into my journey as a course creator myself. And even though I felt like I knew a lot at that time, I've learned so much over the past few years. So I'm re completely redoing that course. But at the same time, most of the stuff that I'm doing today is still exactly what I, I taught in that class. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's awesome. And so you started a YouTube channel. Okay, there's so much I want to get into. But before <laughs> we get into that, I kind of want to fast forward to where you are today. And uh, can you just share what online course is, 
teaching your online courses has allowed you to do and why you love online courses so much? Sure. So um, I've actually managed to scale back on selling physical products. I still have my Etsy shop open, um, but it's, you know, I'm able to not focus so much on that. Um, I've kind of transitioned into most of my income now being through selling online courses um, instead of selling jewelry, which is exactly where I wanted to be. It kind of took a couple of years to kind of, you know, make that transition happen. Um, so that allows me a lot more freedom, especially around Thanksgiving holiday time, like Thanksgiving, um, when you're selling retail online, you know, that period between basically after, um, after Halloween through the end of the year is like high gear. Um, you know, obviously it's like fourth quarter black Friday sales start, you know, November 1st now. So, um, this year was the first year that I, that I was able to just kind of not really worry about, um, having to sell so much jewelry in order to be able to pay bills and all kinds of stuff. So it's allowed me to pay off a credit card debt, um, which I didn't really have a whole lot of, but I'm the kind of person that I don't like to have any debt besides my mortgage, you know, that's going to take a while, but, (laughs) um, credit card debt and things like that. Um, So I have managed to pay off all of that debt and just kind of stay debt free. Um, Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been pretty great. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And I think a lot of people listening to this, I I hope uh, they're, or I hope they're not in debt, but I know a lot of people are going to be in situations where they just need a little bit of extra cash or they just wish they could create something on the side from their full-time job to bring in an extra bit of cash. And I think online courses is something that it's a little bit of work or it's a lot of work up front, but it's something that once you create, you can kind of maintain it passively to some extent um, and make a little bit of income from the side. And if you want to grow, it takes a lot more effort and you have to continue building your audience and promoting your courses and creating new courses. Um, and so I want to hear about Udemy. So Udemy is where you first started your online course. Mm-hmm. And how was that experience uh, with your first courses? Well, it was it was great. Um, Udemy actually reached out to me um, and gave me a lot of help in terms of marketing before the course was even done. You know, like put these these things in place, start start um, collecting email addresses, like an interest list, so that when your course is, is live, you can basically just send out an email and say, okay, you can buy it now. And so they, they gave me a lot of help one-on-one. Um, I know not most people don't get that kind of, um, uh, help. So I was one of the lucky ones. I think they reached out to me because I, they knew that I did have a big YouTube following. Um, I don't know if it's still there, but when you create a course that asks you those things, you know, about, um, like how your, many followers you yeah, have. Exactly. And stuff like so I, I think that's the reason that they, um, they took an interest in me and, and helped me so much. Um, so that was, that was a really great experience. I had an amazing, like first 24 hours, um, because of that, you know, because that, that they helped me so much with that. Um, I learned a lot in the process that I've also been able to use again, um, as I've created other courses. Um, but not, not, not only that, but, um, just in terms of setting up a class, um, I think I um, I was having a lot of trouble trying to put pieces together, trying to figure out what goes in the class, what should you know, how long should it be? There's, there's just it's kind of overwhelming when you know so much and you you have to kind of distill it down into like one succinct, um, I guess, capsule of information. Like, how much do I present in this class? Um, so I took one of the the challenges in the in the the Facebook group, um, which was a great source of su- support. Um, that helped me a lot in terms of just breaking it down into tasks that I could do. Uh, some of them were very simple. It was like today your task is, um, write your course goals or decide who this course is for and write those, um, I forget what they call them, but basically who should take this course, who shouldn't take this course. And that helped me move on to the next step, which is, um, deciding, designing the curriculum and, it was broken down in a way just exactly how I needed it to be to be able to actually move forward because I I kind of tend to stumble every step of the way when I'm learning something new because I want to know everything about it I want to make sure I'm doing everything right 
Um, well, it's hard. Really- I'm, there's so many, many resources out there now that try to teach how to create online courses, but you could spend weeks and months just learning from other people, mm-hmm. but having a little push to actually do the small steps first can really help. And especially with figuring out, yeah, who is your audience? Who, what is your, your goal in teaching a person? And now I think it's more important than ever to really figure out what your goal is, what benefit is the student going to get from your course before you even start teaching it. Um, because in the end, it's going to end up selling more courses if you have a good benefit. And when you look on YouTube and when you're coming up with your first online course, one thing that I think about with jewelry making or even with my courses with photography or video editing, there's so much free content out there. Was that a worry of yours when you started? Uh, were you, did you even think it was going to be successful to sell an online course or did you know that, well, there's lots of great free stuff out there, but I could do it better? Yeah, that was definitely a concern. And I even had lots of people say to me, like, why why are you thinking you can do this? Because everything you need is on YouTube. Um, And that was a fear that I had. And I kind of just forced myself to get over that because I know for a fact that there are big companies, um, other people are doing it. Um, There's an online, um, I don't know what to call it. It's called craftsy.com. And it's dedicated to online learning of culinary and crafts, and they sell tons of jewelry classes. So I know for a fact there are people, and I, and you know, before I even thought about it, I actually purchased several craftsy classes. I was like, this is awesome, you know, this this is amazing. People are doing it, so I know that I spent money on it because I wanted to learn, and I wanted to learn to paint better and all kinds of things. You know, if I spend money on something like that, there's definitely other people out there like me who want more than just YouTube videos. They want that. Uh, it's, it's like, imagine trying to learn a language from a textbook. You can definitely do it. But the difference between that and taking a college course is huge. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you're going to have to pay for that college course, but people do it all the time just because there's a quality of learning, uh, the ability to interact with the instructor and other people uh, who can help you learn faster and more deeply. And instead of, or even take that analogy one step further, like imagine trying to learn from uh, a bunch of random pages torn out of a bunch of different textbooks. They're all on the same subject, but you're just picking up random pages and you're reading and you're, there's no continuity. It's just completely mismatched and out of order. Um, you know, you're, there's only so much you can get from that. So that's kind of how I like to think about learning from YouTube uh, versus learning from an actual online course that's dedicated to the subject that's um, organized and it mm-hmm. takes you in the steps in the right order and, you know, start small and build and build and build until by the end of it, you, you can do that. You have this skill or this set of skills. So um, and I kind of knew that, you know, I listened to that little voice a little bit that was like, yeah, maybe nobody's going to pay for it. But it's like, well, what do you have to lose? You know, because yeah. even if nobody pays for it, then when you took the time to make the videos, then you just put them on YouTube and you're still helping people who want to learn this. So, And I think you're a perfect example of a very niche market and not only are your courses it's not like I'm looking at your courses right now actually on Udemy and on your own site which I want to talk about the differences there and what what you're promoting but you have a wire wrapping for beginners jewelry making class and that's a niche inside the jewelry making niche Mm -hmm. itself and then you have it looks like more an advanced course from there decorative wire wrapping Uh, so this was the beginner class your your first course that you created? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I knew that I wanted to start with a class for beginners um, because I I knew that that's the people who were visit that's what people who were visiting my my blog and my YouTube channel were interested in. Those were like the top viewed blog posts and videos. Those were the questions I got the most were from beginners. Like I just, I'm getting started. I don't know what to buy. I don't know what this means. I don't know what these are. There's just so many tools out there. Um, so that was a good signal to me that this these are the people that are already attracted to the content that I have out there. Um, so I kind of knew exactly where they were at. It was a lot easier for me to create content knowing 
what they knew or what they didn't know in this case. Um, and then also thinking down the road, if I have a course that is attracting beginners and they go through the class, I know exactly what they know at the end of that class, which is makes my job so much easier for for helping them with what's next. You know, I this is what you know from this. This is the next logical step and so on and so forth, kind of just building from there. So um, that's uh, I think that was a really good choice for me to start with a beginner's class, even though, um, you know, I still get requests for more advanced classes and I will get there. But um, I kind of I think I um, I have a really good way of I should say I specialize in working with beginners to help them learn difficult techniques. That's yeah. I like to think that I have that real that talent where I can break it down into what you need to know and why and um, not leave anything out for those people. And um, the, that attracts the right people to me. Yeah, I think that's great. And there's just a bigger market for the beginner classes, too. And I've I've found that for my courses. And <clears throat> it's great to have the more advanced courses to be able to promote to those beginners that might be in a beginner class of yours. But starting out with a more beginner class is what I would suggest new instructors to, to create. After people come up with their course topics or what, when you come up with a course topic, what is your next step in creating that actual course? Um, so this is actually the hardest part for me is because it's a hands-on class. So I have to design projects to um, fit into the overall skill. And I want those projects to make sense from a beginner. Like the first project in the class would be like the very simplest, but then I want to also provide lots of things that build on that. Um, and they, they make sense together without being repetitive. Um, and sometimes that's really challenging. But um, so I decide the technique that I want to teach. And then I actually make the physical samples of the designs that I'm going to teach. And then I make sure there's no overlapping and kind of weed out, you know, well, that's pretty much the same as this. That's the, I don't want it to be like, you know, too much repetition. Um, and then I just kind of lay the projects out. And then from looking at the physical items, the earrings and necklaces, then I um, decide uh, how many lessons each one is going to take up. It'll be like the intro for this design, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, and and break it down that way. And then um, I usually start to film before I've done that for all of them, but it, you know, just kind of uh, flows. So I, I just, I try to start at the beginning as much as possible. So that yeah. it all makes sense in terms of editing and, you know, in case I forget something, I can go back and add it or I just want yeah. it all to flow nicely. And so, yeah, it's, it's very practical and I, I love that. And I've, I think a lot of classes that are more practical are more engaging for students. And in a way, I've done that similarly with a Photoshop course where I design the end projects that I want to teach mm -hmm. and then I go back and figure out how I teach those and each one is going to be a separate section. Are you, you know, you break, you create your jewelry that you want to teach. And then how are you even coming up with the lessons for that? Do you just start filming and then break it up in the end? Or do you know before you even start filming, okay, I'm going to go from point A to point B and then pause. And that's going to be lesson one and then figure out the next step for the next lesson or do you just kind of film it all and then break it down later? I usually film it all from start to finish um, a couple times through uh, from different angles just to make sure my hands aren't in the way, you know, or the, the thing that's really most important is in focus and all of that. Um, but I do a film from start to finish the, the project and then I kind of know that I'm going to break it up in terms of, you know, make, for example, make the frame and that's the first lesson. Um, and then the next lesson will be like adding the beads or whatever. So I kind of know going into it that I'm where I'm going to break it up, but I go ahead and film it all at once because it's pretty easy to edit as I need to, as long as I make sure I have all the, the footage. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And what equipment are you using? Um, I have a Sony flip cam just, you know, I bought it off eBay for like 300 bucks. Um, I edit uh, in iMovie, even though I'm, you know, trying to make the transition to uh, Premiere Pro, it just 
always so much easier to go back to iMovie because I know what I, I can do is so much faster. Um, so one day I will get there where I'm editing completely in Premiere Pro, but um, I have a, a Mac desktop mm-hmm. computer and um, the microphone I use is just a lava. Well, I have two different microphones, actually. One I use for when I'm doing the talking heads. I have a lavalier mic that plugs into my camera. And then most of what I do is actually voiceover. So I film completely silently. And then I edit the videos. And then I go in and do the voiceover. Um, so I have a different mic for that when I record. Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to learn the fast track to six figures with online courses, get your free seven-step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com. Now let's get back to the show. Got it. Okay, that's really cool. And that I think a lot of people, my mom actually is an artist and she teaches children's uh, art classes and she's dabbled with the idea of creating an online class. And I've always wondered about what the best way to do like a sort of like the craft based course where you're showing someone how to do something showing someone how to draw something and I didn't know if having her draw and try to talk through it would be better or just do it and then do a voiceover I think that actually would make it more succinct and you could kind of pick and choose it would it would be (laughs) really long if you kind of tried to talk while you were exactly and there's a lot of like uh, since those that part of the video is always focused on my hands. It's like a close up of my hands. When I'm talking, I tend to like fidget or it'll just be like, I'm explaining something important, but you're just sitting there looking at my hands, not doing anything for 30 seconds. And I also tend to over explain and fumble. And it's just, I don't think it's a great viewer experience. So, and I ended up having to go back and redo it anyway, most of the time. So I just stopped trying that because it's, uh, it's confusing. Um, yeah. Do you script out your videos or do you just watch usually, them and talk? I've done it both ways. Um, so usually I'd say for YouTube videos, um, I, I record, I edit the video and then I go back and I watch it and just kind of record like this is what I'm doing now. And it's usually pretty easy. But lately I've started scripting it because um, it's it actually saves time to write it out first, mm-hmm. just in terms of going back and, you know, editing out things that didn't come out right or whatever, you know? So, um, and then that also helps with the, um, the captions. So I've already got the script and I can just upload the captions. So that's just, a. it turns out it's a better way to work that I discovered kind of accidentally, but yeah, I, I usually script it now. Sounds very efficient. So you mentioned YouTube and I want to talk about YouTube now. So you already had that audience. You were building your audience on YouTube and it sounds like your own blog before you even launched the course. Um, what techniques and what have you been doing on YouTube? What has been most successful for growing your audience there? Um, and t- so I started my blog, I think in 2011, um, I knew that I wanted to eventually try to sell digital products, but, you know, as a fan of Pat Flynn, I, I knew that I, it was super important to test the idea first and work on establishing an audience. So I figured I'd give it a year or two, just, you know, just doing strictly free content, not selling anything. And that was going to be blog posts and YouTube videos and um, just kind of see, see how it went. And by the end of the second year, I think I had like over 20,000 subscribers. So that was a really great, that was more than I expected. You know, my first year I set the goal to have 150 subscribers and I think I ended out the 12 months with like. 8,500 or something crazy. Wow. That's so, amazing. <laughs> um, so that was really awesome. And I really enjoyed it. I kind of played around with lots of different techniques, demonstrating lots of random things kind of all over the place, you know, like making jewelry with recycled stuff, upcycled plastic, just random things just for fun. Um, and I kind of got an idea of what people were enjoying, what people were asking about. Um, so the content kind of just uh, showed me the way really, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it kind of, the audience, I should say, showed me the way they, they let me know what they liked and, and just by which videos were getting the most views and most questions. And, um, like in terms of where that overlapped with my expertise. Um, so it kind of led me in the direction that it needed to go. And then by the, the end of that time or the last, the end of the 
the second year, you know, I was ready to start building a course, but I was feeling really lost um, in terms of, do I do this through WordPress? You know, how do I sell downloadable videos where there's not going to be a lot of work on my part for like helping people, you know, in the transaction? Because if it goes as well as I want it to go, that's going to be a lot of transactions every month. I don't really want to have to be a part of it. I don't want to have to email people manually. Right. You know, that just kind of <laughs> completely um, is against the entire purpose. So that, um, going back to, you know, when I discovered Udemy, that was like a dream come true. Cause it kind of solved all those problems. It was like everything done for you. You don't have to worry about how they set up passwords, how, how they pay. And, and then how does that translate into how they get into the class? You know, is that all automated? That's just a lot of moving parts for anybody who doesn't know. That's a lot of moving parts. Um, if you're trying to do that yourself. So Udemy was a really great place to start um, and, you know, test out the the product, uh, figure out what needed to be fixed or improved upon. And um, so I'm really glad that I, I started there. Yeah. And so you started on Udemy. And then now uh, if you go to your website, which is jewelrytutorialhq.com, uh, you can click on the online jewelry classes link and this takes to your courses, but it's not Udemy. Where how are, it looks like? Oh, Thinkific. I see on the bottom. Thinkific. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So you chose to use Thinkific to sort of self-host your courses. And mm -hmm. what made you decide to do that instead of just focusing on Udemy? Um, because I learned early on that uh, being able to communicate with my students on a regular basis is really key for. Um, giving them the best experience, as well as, of course, selling them the products that they're ready for at the right time, which there's a lot of limits um, when it comes to Udemy. First of all, you don't actually have access to your students' email addresses. You're limited to communicating them with them through the messaging system, the educational announcements or promotional announcements. Um, and you're limited to two promotional announcements per month, as you know, for educational so it's actually kind of ironic because the system that Udemy taught me in order to set up the um, sales funnel for my first class, my launch, um, was through email. And it was emailing them, you know, you set up a series of seven, five or seven emails and they go out like two days apart. And you know what? That worked amazingly. It was awesome. But you can't actually do that with Udemy. So I realized that... Um, I needed the control over my communication. Email marketing was key. Just being able to um, know not only that, but um, so a problem I was having when I was um, directing my leads to Udemy. So all along I was collecting leads on my site. Most of my sales were actually from my own um, email subscribers. The problem was after they purchased, since I didn't have um, a way to kind of reconcile you know, I, I didn't have access to a database inside of Udemy, it was really difficult for me to know that this person had already purchased. So mm -hmm. there were a lot of times where people would email me back, like, stop sending me, I already bought the class, like, you're still sending me this, I bought it like a week ago, you know, this is annoying. So um, I didn't, I didn't really feel good about that, you know, just, um, it was a lot of work. I was going through every, at the end of every couple of days, I was going through the list of students. And when I saw the coupon come in, that was my coupon code. I would go back to my email and I would take them off that list. I would put them on a different list. That was a lot of work. And I got that, really tired of that. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it was like spending time on that instead of scaling up. And then it was like, if I scale up, I'm only going to give myself this much more work to do. So I needed to resolve that issue. That was a big problem. Um, that, so that was one reason. Um, also I just like, there's a lot of pros and cons when it, when it comes to selling your products, whether they're digital products or physical products. Um, so I've, I've kind of dealt with this on Etsy as well with Etsy. The pros are that it's really, really easy to set up and sell. Um, so there's a low barrier to entry. Anybody can do that. Um, one of the cons though, is that because it's so easy to set up and sell that there's a lot of competition. So literally anybody can sell jewelry on Etsy. So everybody is a lot of competition. Um, another, um, a, a pro is that 
Um, and th- this is pretty much the same as with Udemy. So I'll just kind of use those, you yeah. know, marketplaces in general versus selling on your own site. Um, with a marketplace, you have access to potentially millions more customers because they have amassed like this presence and the same as Amazon. Um, they have built in customers. So more traffic, um, that's definitely a pro, but then the con is again, the competition. Um, and the marketplace is not really concerned with selling your product. They're just concerned with selling a product. Mm -hmm. So that's why you like on Amazon, you see, you know, you're looking at one thing and then you see down here also available from these sellers. And it's like 10 other options. They're all priced differently. Um, so Amazon doesn't care if you sell your item, they just want the customer to get what they want. Um, and the chances of buying. So, you know, we all know that. And Etsy's the same. It shows other people's jewelry on the bottom of your item. So there's a lot of pros and cons. Um, I just liked, since I was driving most of my own sales to Udemy, um, I realized that my system was working um, and that with a few tweaks that it could be a whole lot better. And it turns out since I started using Thinkific, Um, my sales increased because I think lots of reasons I just, you know, um, conversion rates went up. There's just a lot of different factors that were involved. Um, I think a lot of it was just the fact that, um, I worked so hard to build a relationship with my students and prospective students that when it comes time to buy, they're either going to buy or they're not, as opposed to on Udemy, they're either going to buy from me or they might buy from someone else or they might not buy at all. So, you know, it's like, I, I kind of look at it as like, I have a 50, 50 chance on my own site versus a, maybe a one in three chance or one in five chance. So, yeah, well, that's, those are all really good pieces of advice. I I've talked to a lot of people who are just focused on Udemy and, but you bring up so many good points about just having more control on your own site. I think the biggest worry though, is that, New instructors don't have an audience already. So if you don't have an audience, Udemy is a great place to start out. But if you already have this audience on YouTube or on your own website, um, it sounds like using something like Thinkific is a great option. What is the what is like the typical sales funnel for someone? Is it are a lot of people coming to your courses from YouTube first or from finding your blog first? And like what specifically is it? Do you have like a link in your YouTube description for your courses or do you get them on an email list first? How does that work? I've tried a lot of different things. And what seems to be working the best is driving traffic to my blog, my website, um, where I have a pop up for a free crash course that's for beginners. It's basically free, uh, three free videos that are designed to attract the person who's going to benefit the most from my first wire wrapping class. Um, so even though that's a relatively small percentage of my website visitors, I know that anybody that gets on that email list by joining that free class is the right person for the full version of that, that class. I know they're a beginner. I know they're interested in wire wrapping. Um, so all I have to do is, you know, show them what I can do with my, my free videos, uh, let them know that I'm there to help. Um, so that's where most of my sales are coming from is that free class that I have on my website. So I've tried, um, linking to directly to my courses from YouTube. I've tried linking directly to the free class, et cetera. And, um, to some extent that works because the the people who are interested are still going to join, um, but the best thing is just driving the traffic to my website where they can kind of get to learn a little bit more about me. They can kind of browse around and find it on their own. And if, if, if they see that and they join, then they're the right person for, for me and for that class. So I, I try not to force it. I think I found that um, even though I do have a pretty good number of subscribers on YouTube, people don't go to YouTube to buy something. They go to learn something and they go to learn something for free. So, um, you kind of have to meet those expectations or there's a little bit of a disconnect. Um, I think selling directly from YouTube is, is pretty hard. Um, I mean, I maybe had a couple of sales directly from like a coupon, like, Hey, buy my course, you know, but for the most part, it's coming in through the, the free channel, the free blog post, the free course. And then after, you know, 
I build that relationship a little bit more. The sales come a little bit more easily. Yeah. I'm looking at your YouTube channel and it's I'm so impressed by it because you have over 55,000 subscribers right now. And I'm sure when people listen to this, it's going to be even more. But to be honest, you're not pumping out content like some other channels. You're not creating new videos every day or every week. Mm -hmm. So what do you think it is about your channel that has allowed you to grow it so, so much? And I mean, I'm just looking at your videos, your past few videos, 8,000 views, 5,000, 23,000 views, 26,000 views. Uh, what, what are you doing uh, to be so successful on YouTube? Um, I think, honestly, a big part of that was starting out not selling anything. So when I started out my channel, um, I kind of put in place videos that were designed only to grow my channel. That was my goal when I started. Um, and those videos, some of my first few videos are still my top viewed videos to this day. So videos from uh, like five years ago, I guess, are still um, not only my top viewed every month, but my top earners in terms of AdSense. Um, and I, I think that's because you know, they, they answered a question that people had. Um, it's, they're not like the most amazing videos. If you watch like one of my first couple and one of my recent ones, you'll see, you know, there, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. I, I did things like added music. I didn't realize that I was exporting. I was filming in HD, but when I exported and uploaded, they were in like 420 or something <laughs> horrible. And I didn't even know until somebody commented like three years later, they're like, okay, seriously, like, you know, and I just had no idea. Um, so I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. They're not the greatest videos, but they're still answering questions. Um, and so to, to answer your question, I think it's because I specifically focused on solving problems, not trying to sell anything, um, answer questions that people needed help with. And, um, so I kind of think of it in my channel now is like, I, so a lot of my more recent videos, they're not they're pretty few and far between, you know, but if my channel is still growing month after month and it exponentially even, you know, that, that graph still is going up and up and up. Um, because I took the time to build that foundation, to build those videos that were designed to attract the right people to my channel, get them interested in me, get them know me to know me better, get them to subscribe, get them to check out my blog. Um, so I think it's important to have those foundational videos on your channel. I think if you start out with a channel that's designed to sell something, you're going to have a really hard time, um, building up an audience. And also just because of the way that YouTube works and with SEO and everything, if you think about it, if, if your videos are designed to get somebody off YouTube, um, so you're basically what YouTube see, if it works, then you're getting a lot of clicks to your website, which is great. But at the same time, YouTube sees that as, oh, they're leaving, you know, they're, they're coming to this video and they're bouncing. So in terms of building your presence on YouTube, that's actually not going to be a good thing at all. Mm, um, so YouTube that's really needs, interesting. YouTube needs to see that people are coming, they're interacting with your video, they're watching it, they're, they're watching, um, like a, a good purport, uh, percentage of each video. They're going on to watch your other videos. They're staying, they're subscribing, they're watching your playlist, they're adding your videos to their playlists, all kinds of things that signal to YouTube that you are doing a good job. So they're going to show your video more when certain things are searched. Mm, um, that is gold right there. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the, yeah, that's definitely really important to consider um, this foundational work, I guess. Yeah, and I think the key point is quality over quantity and just, you know, yeah, building an audience based off of answering people's questions and helping others and not just trying to sell. So where are you spending most of your time now in terms of audience growth or course creation? What are you doing? What's like a typical day look like for you? Um, so I was just thinking about this the other day. Actually, a lot of last year, um, I was, I am surprised at the amount of time that I spend on marketing and, um, things like email, uh, email marketing. And I have a system in place for my first class, but I'm still trying to add in how my, my second class and my third class tie in. So every time I create a new class, I have to kind of 
add that into the mix in terms of, I want this to be this machine that works by itself, but I haven't managed to get there yet. Um, the first class selling great by itself, but in terms of then, you know, um, getting those students to buy the next class, it's, it's, it's like a, a puzzle. I'm still trying to fit in the pieces. So lately, and most of last year, I would say I spent on trying to market and, and trying to do things like, um, oh, last year is the, the year, the first year that I set up my, my Thinkific school. So then trying to figure out things like retargeting, remarketing, whatever, um, mm -hmm. Facebook ads, Google ads, that kind of thing. Um, and unfortunately I just, I, that was a big fail. I would love to find somebody who can actually do that for me because um, that was very frustrating. I, I feel like I wasted a lot of time on that and just didn't have very good results. And ultimately, that's not how I want to spend my time. Um, and yeah. I don't really enjoy the marketing aspect, but it's so very important. Yeah, I find myself, yeah, 80% of my time is is some form of marketing. And a lot of my marketing is content creation still with like YouTube videos or blog articles, but ads and that kind of thing, that's a whole different ball game that I haven't really dived into myself. And yeah. it, from what I've heard, it, you know, takes a lot of time and money and I at the Udemy live conference, I went to a discussion where the Udemy team was actually talking about their own marketing and their own ads. And they're talking about how it's taken them like years to figure it out. And they have budgets in the mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands to spend on ads. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, it took them that much time, <laughs> yeah. and that much money to do it. I think I got to figure out a different way to sell my own online courses. <laughs> so going back to that, you know, spending all that time this past year on marketing and I don't really feel like I got anywhere. What I'm going to do differently this year is I'm going to focus more time on creating free content because that is what's working for me. Um, and I, I, that's a good reminder because I always say, you know, it's so easy to focus on the negative, like what's not working. And you look at it in terms of like, oh, I've got all this traffic coming from Pinterest, you know, Pinterest is that's, that's great. But look at Twitter, like nobody's coming to my site from Twitter. I better, I better focus on that. Um, it's really easy to get mixed up in, in terms of, you know, spending more time and resources into what's not working because you feel like, you look at it like a glass that's half empty or, you know, you want to, you want to do better in this area. Instead, you know, I, I'm trying to remind myself consciously, like that's not working. Don't spend more time on it. Focus on what is working like mm. Pinterest and YouTube and blog posts. So that's what I'm doing this year because, um, I, I don't think I have what it takes to, to master Facebook ads. And, and honestly, I don't, do I need to, I don't really think I need to, I don't really want to, what yeah. I'd love to be able to do is pay somebody to do that. Um, you know, outsource that, but for now, um, increased sales, um, is going to come through my free channels. So, you know, more YouTube videos. I, I hardly, I think I maybe did like three or four videos last year. Yeah, and that wow. doesn't feel good to me because, yeah. you know, YouTube is a big part of why, why I am where I am today. So I don't want to, um, just kind of forget about it, you know, mm. and there's, that's something that's growing. Um, and I actually do get paid back from that. When I put more effort there, I get paid for, back from that in terms of building my audience, building my email list and, um, the sales that come from it. So it's a long game, but, uh, it's I love it working. though. Yeah, I I think we here as online entrepreneurs ourselves, like there's so many platforms out there, and there's the hottest thing, and we think, oh well, I better start my Snapchat profile to try to <laughs> <laughs> sell my courses. But at the end of the day, focusing on what's working is is smart, and putting your energy into one one platform sometimes is better than spreading yourself too thin. I think so. And I think also knowing why it's working is important. Um, so if I go back to the Twitter example, you know, Twitter is not working for me um, because that's not where my target audience is hanging out, you know, and that same it would be if I joined Snapchat, like I'm not on Snapchat. And the reason is because I know who my audience is and I try to pay attention to that and where they are and where they are is YouTube and Pinterest and Facebook Um and, you know, and online. So, and in their email inbox. 
So um, I'm going to focus on reaching the right people at the right time in the right place. And um, branching out to places like Snapchat is not, you know, I mean, most of my audience are um, older women, you know, 40 and up. A lot of them are actually retired um, and they're not hanging out in those places. So, yeah, yeah, well, that's smart. That's very smart. Um, Cool. Well, it's coming on 50 minutes and I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I just got a few more questions and you kind of touched on just your plan for the next year. But do you have a vision or a dream for where you'll be in five, three to five years? Um, five years. Yes, um, sort of. So I'd like to be able to be location independent um, because I would really like to travel and see the world, but not just like, you know, a week at a time or, or 10 days at a time. I'd like to be able to spend some real time in a country, um, get to know, you know, culture, the people, um, and just be able to explore while not having to worry about income. So the idea that um, if I have a system in place where um, all, I, all I really have to do is kind of check in, answer a few questions, check my email, um, be able to respond, and um, it doesn't matter where I am, that's kind of a, a dream. You know, not the whole working from the beach on the laptop because, you know, <laughs> Wi-Fi, but um, <laughs> nobody ever thinks of that. <laughs> Um, but just, you know, being able to go wherever I want, whenever I want and, um, not have to worry about uh, like selling jewelry, you know, which is where I'm coming from. It's like, if, if I want to take a vacation, then there's no sales coming in, but this Mm -hmm. is different, you know, it's like, um, you know, (laughs) yeah, no, I I think that it's why online courses is so amazing because that's, that's a possibility. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think you're well on your way to achieving that goal. So we're going to see you in less than five years sitting, uh, at a cafe next to a beach, uh, (laughs) courses, wherever you want to be. So are there any other, uh, resources or inspiration blogs or people you follow? You mentioned Pat Flynn, who's one of my favorites, but is there anyone else that you think our listeners would enjoy, uh, being inspired by? Oh gosh. Um, I'm sure there are. <laughs> if not, that's okay. <laughs> I can't think of any right now, honestly. Um, yeah, no, that's totally fine. How about where can our listeners uh, find you? What's the best place for them to learn more about you and your online courses? Um, you can see my blog at jewelrytutorialhq.com. That's the American spelling of jewelry. Um, and if you want to check out my courses, you can go to jthqacademy.com. Um, you want to find me on YouTube, it's Jewelry Tutorial HQ. Awesome. Perfect. Jessica, it's been so fun chatting and catching up and seeing where you are now. And I look forward to having you on the show uh, in the future to see see how far <laughs> things have come along. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There's no better way to learn how to become a better online course creator than heading over to OnlineCourseMasters.com and downloading your free 7-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings, it'll just take an extra minute of your time and help me know how to make this show even better. Thanks and have a beautiful day.